0: CJ Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio studios in Lake Wales, Florida, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because quote, people need to know what you know. End quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So, Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, The Phantom.
1: Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest has been with us before, and i love to have him on for several reasons. And one of the reasons is he loves bowling. We have known each other for over 40 years. And number two, he's one of the most talented people I know. He's a scratch bowler. He was a radio personality in Cleveland for over 20 years and he owned his own business for 35 years. And now in his retirement, he has become an author with over 50 books written. And there's more, but I want to get him out of here so we can talk more about it. We have him on at least once a year. So here's my good buddy. I call him the Z man, Gary
2: Zawinski. Hello, Gary, and welcome back to the show. Thanks, Lenny. It's always great to be on with you. and. Uh... Yeah, we always we always have something to talk about. I've I've done one of everything, so <laughs> fire away with the questions, buddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know I I love your voice. It's not that I'm a weirdo, but you just got one of them great voices that you know you hear all the great announcers uh, over the years. Uh, Al Michaels comes to mind. Uh, I hear his voice and Jim Nance. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could talk like those guys. But you got that voice, and, and really it's good to hear from you,
2: Parza. How's your health doing? Uh, well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, my health is good. Um, I, I'm a little sore. I bowled a, a tournament uh, yesterday and uh, at 65 years old. Uh, there are a few aches and pains that I don't remember at 40. But uh, <laughs> other than that, the health is doing good, and um, we're, we're getting ready for that time of the year when that white stuff comes down here in Ohio. exactly
1: I got a good buddy up in Michigan Uh, he's been a co-sponsor of our show and he works with the youth up there and he got 7,000 junior bowlers and he he coaches the coaches so I know what it's like back there Uh, I spent a lot of time back there in fact I lived in Akron Ohio for about seven years which is nothing to brag about but yeah I'm, I'm glad you bowled those tournaments uh It keeps you fresh, you know. It it keeps you young to be around those guys. I'm pretty sure about that because, you know, I worked for the regional program for a long time after I was on the tour, working on the tour, and it kept me young. I, I don't feel like I'm 130 right now. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I bowled, the tournament I bowled was a kids' regional. It's, I was the oldest guy bowling, but uh, I, I enjoy bowling with the kids, even though they do things with bowling balls that I haven't dreamed of since I was about 25 years old. But uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. You know, uh, as you know, uh, I was talking to a
1: mutual friend recently at, at Randy Hart, And you were there on the other end of the phone, too. It was a long-distance call, but uh, that was awesome to have you guys both on the phone at the same time. Uh, You know, when you live a a couple thousand miles away, you don't get to see all your good buddies as often as you'd like to. But uh, I've got a question for you. I can imagine how many hundreds, maybe thousands of people that you've met. And some were probably famous, and some were maybe not, but that's not the important part. Uh, what I want to know is, what do you remember most about some of
2: those people? Well, I'll tell you, uh, Lenny, it, it, it comes down to this, that no matter if they're famous, I mean, I've talked to billionaires, I've talked to movie stars, in uh, country radio, I mean, I met the who's who of, of the, the era when I was in radio back in the 90s. It comes down to this, they're just people. They're just people just like us. They put their pants on one leg at a time, as the old saying is. It's amazing that no matter what they do, sooner or later you can find some common ground to talk about something, and it's usually something simple, family, uh, friends, whatever. And uh, that's, that's the one thing that I remember most about those people. For me, the people that I remember most were, oddly enough, when I met my bowling idols, Don Johnson, Dick Weber, on and on and on. Those are the people that I remember that stick out in my mind uh, the most about the the people that I've met. But like I said, all comes down to everybody is just the same as we are. They may have more money, they may have more talent, but in the long run, we're all just people.
1: You know, you being from uh, Cleveland, basically, I I remember uh, back in the day, the Cleveland Indians, uh, they don't have the same name anymore, but they had a not pitching all They,
2: they do in this house.
1: <laughs> oh, I bet they do because uh, I'll never be able to say their name without saying Indians. I don't know. I'm not I don't want to be political, but I'm sure that's what it's all about, but you know, I'll never forget they had a pitching staff back in the 50s, I believe it was. That Bob Feller and all them guys, they were totally great. What a team.
2: Oh, it was they were fantastic and I actually have had the the pleasure uh, amongst the famous people I've met of having dinner more than once with Mr. Bob Feller, uh, Hall of Famer. It, it'd be funny because you'd be sitting in, the, I covered the Cleveland Indians for a year and a half when I was in radio. And you'd be sitting in the uh, dining room and I'd have this great big hand grab my shoulder and he'd say, hey, Shunny, can I sit with you? And it'd be Mr. Bob Feller. I'd say, well, yes, sir, Mr. Feller, sit down and let's have dinner. And uh, it, he, it was just amazing to sit there and talk to somebody who had pitched against Babe Ruth and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he was just uh, uh, unbelievable. But they had Feller, they had Garcia, they had Early Wynn. That was a great pitching staff back in the day.
1: Well, I'm telling you, you remember, you know, and in the, in the fourth guy was Bob Lemon. Yes. I'll I tell you, I, you know, that was one of my favorite teams. As a matter of fact, uh, in that World Series where they played against the New York Giants, And Vic Wirtz hit that long fly ball. Willie Mays caught over his shoulder. He became my favorite player. And I was so happy when they moved out here to San Francisco. I was able to go to a lot of games and watch Willie Mays. And a lot of people say he's the greatest player of all time. But, you know, that's up for argument. But I'll tell you what, what a team they had. And and I followed baseball my whole life. I love it.
2: Well, I was lucky enough, like I said, to cover the Indians back in the, the powerhouse 90s when they had Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez and the Alomar brothers and Omar Vizquel. And just, you know, it was crazy. That was the teams when they'd say, we'll spot you seven and we'll still beat you. And they did. And they did. It was amazing. But to be able to rub elbows with those guys and, um, and more or less become friends with some of them. Jim Tomey used to come to the radio station cause he loved country music and he wanted to come and play disc jockey one time. So I got him into the station and, and, uh, you know, it, it just, what a dream for me. I'll tell you what, the first time I went to the stadium and came up down through the tunnel and you come up and you're standing in the dugout because that's where the media sat during the pregame. I mean, I was just like a kid in a candy store. I mean, I looked around, I couldn't believe I was standing in a major league dugout and then the players come by and they, you know, some of them give you a little high five and pat you on the back and, and this, that, and the other. It was It was a blast. I mean, I had a great time for a year and a half. That's cool.
1: You know, uh, getting back to Bob Feller, you know, two things about him. I believe he was the first guy to throw the ball as a pitcher over 100 miles an hour. Uh, But not only that, more importantly, he was a a hero. He was a pilot. Remember those days?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, and I've witnessed this personally. Bob Feller, if you ever told him he was a hero, he would correct you and he would tell you the heroes are the ones that didn't come home.
1: Yeah, wow.
2: That gave he says, I point. went and did my duty, and I came home. I'm not a hero. They were the heroes. He, he deflected any praise for his military time. And, and people don't understand, Bob Feller is still one of the greatest of all time in wins and strikeouts and all that stuff, and he gave up, I think it was the full four years, in the prime of his career. If he would have pitched those four years – They'd still be trying to chase his numbers, I think. And yes, they and he threw over 100. And how did, did you do? You remember how they clocked him?
1: I think he threw it into a, a something that had a radar gun of some kind. I'm not sure. No,
2: they didn't have they didn't have radar back then. They rode a motorcycle at 100 miles an hour. Oh, okay. And it, and, it, and, it, and it passed him as he threw the ball. <laughs> and his ball got to the catcher before the motorcycle did. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's awesome.
2: Oh, man. And they, they clocked it, and then they did a lot of scientific stuff, but there was a picture of a, a, a movie, a video of him, well, old-time movie, of him throwing, and there was a motorcycle going next to him, and it's supposedly the motorcycle, and this is how I heard the story, the motorcycle was going 100 miles an hour when it passed Bob as he threw it. They probably had to do it several times to get it timed right. but that the pitch got to the catcher before the motorcycle did at, and it was at a hundred. So he was throwing, I think they did all the calculations. I thought they said he threw it 104. Wow.
1: Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing that picture. Yeah. Come to think of it. He was
2: awesome. Just an old farm boy
1: from Iowa. Yeah. Well, there was one other guy at that time that gave up uh, two stints of duty, uh, Ted Williams. Uh, Yes. He was a pilot. Also, he was awesome too, but, Anyway, those are the old days, and now it's the new days. So. Well, that that just proves that we're two old guys talking. <laughs> well, at least we're not <laughs> talking about Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, you know. <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> but yeah, you know, let's get up to the current days because you're a romance novel writer now. Have you ever thought about writing about another type of uh, industry or business or lifestyle or
2: or anything? You know, becoming the romance writer was not my intention. Uh, I actually was writing um, my first novel. I was talked into writing a novel after I'd written my autobiography. I was writing about a kid that wanted to be in radio because that's what I knew. And he was in high school and I was trying to build the story. And I realized, you know, he probably should have a girlfriend. And that's when everything changed. Now, as far as writing something else, I've got a couple other ideas. I don't know that they're in my wheelhouse. I've got an idea that probably I've probably should send it to Stephen King. It's more one of those kind of ideas. And I'm not sure if I could come up with something like that, but maybe down the line, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kind of write some sort of a sports book about, you know, I mean, I, I covered the Indians. I, I've been on the pro tour for 21 years in the PVA. Um, I've been a sportscaster. Uh, you know, I've met the who's who of, during that era when I covered the Indians and we were so hot, ESPN was in town all the time, so I talked to Chris Berman, I talked to Peter Gammons, I talked to Harold Reynolds. I mean, there there are people that I could write about, but, you know, that's probably down the line once I get this out of my system, what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you've sent me probably most all the books you've written. Uh, I'm no, not no I group- haven't, Lenny. You're 14 books behind. <laughs> Well, that's because I haven't talked to you for a few months because I don't know how you do it. I don't think you sleep at all because every once in a while I call you or send you an email or something and you answer right away. I mean, you don't sleep either. You're the best.
2: Well, you know what? I'm just finishing my 58th book. Wow. And and as far as answering, when I was regional manager, my office, the, the PBA, people don't realize the PBA regional office was in the room next door to me um, <laughs> here in my home. And But I felt if my player called me at 9 o'clock at night, there was something up, and I picked the phone up, and I answered it. That's just yeah. the way I've always been, or email, same thing.
1: Well, you know, that goes along with my next question, and you kind of answered to a degree. But, you know, you were on the road with the PBA for, what, 21 years or so, which is really, that's it's more than a lifetime, 21 years of being out on the road. that That's like four or five lifetimes. But
2: Well, it, yeah, being when I was the regional manager, that ate me up the year that I was on the road between the regular tour, the senior tour, and we had to help with the national tour. I was on the road for 42 weekends. Yeah. And that's when I decided if I'm going to be on the road for 42 weekends, maybe I'll just bowl. So I did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good reason. But you mentioned some of the people you've met. Uh, Do you have any, like, huge memories besides Bob Feller, things like that, that, that that really impacted you to some degree?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. Bowling on tour, I mean, that was a dream since I was five years old. And when my dad died at 12, I thought I would never have a chance at all that. And at 21, I had my chance. I broke my hand, blah, 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 on to 44 years old. I got my chance. I embraced it. And I'll tell you what, some of the strongest memories I have are uh, when I got my first check in Bay City, Michigan, from Dan Ottman, a friend of ours who's passed away, huh? I made my first finals. When I was 54 years old, I made my first finals. Wow. And I bowled my first national tour stop, and I was like a kid in a candy store, uh, thanks to my friend Dave DeAntremont who also we've lost. But when I went out there, the guys... Because I hung with Dave, I was accepted. And and one day I'm driving out there and had bowled a couple of originals. The next day I'm talking to Walter Ray and Parker and Mika, and the list goes on and on and on of the people that in the bowling world. And I was in – my feet weren't anywhere near the ground. I was floating way too high. Uh, The biggest impact on me over the last 21 years, uh, besides family issues, was making the lifelong friends that I've made – and of course, I've lost three people. There's been a lot, a lot of players we've lost, but there were three people that really had an impact on me. One of them, of course, is is Otter Dan Ottman, which has impacted you and I both. Losing Tony Reyes, yes. who was just a wonderful person to me, and helped me uh, at a couple tournaments, and just pushed pushed the PBA to try and use me to my voice and wanted me to do the announcing, you know, introducing the players of ProAms and stuff, which I did in the region, Central Region. And then of course my my old travel partner when Double D passed away, Dave Deontremont, Those really impacted me, made me value life more. Um, and in fact when Otman died, I ended up taking over for him. So that's how I ended up working for the PBA.
1: I know that. I remember that well. And you know, as we speak uh, I sit here at my desk. I have a desk at home. I work out of my house. And when Dan passed away, I'll tell you why, that, that hit a chord in me that uh, I'll never forget. I was fortunate enough to get one of the patches. They they gave out patches, a D-O with black and white letters that you put on your shirt with stick them on I, the side. And, and
2: I believe I sent it to you. I'm
1: pretty sure you did. In fact, that was, I was because gonna I inst-
2: was the one who, went, when I was the one within the region that we came up with that concept, and I was the one that distributed them. And I'm I'm pretty sure I remember throwing one in one or two of them in an envelope and sending them to you. Now I have one other one that has a one other patch that I value, and that's the the DW for Dick. West.
1: I'll tell you, I wasn't sure if you sent me that or not, but I've got it right here on my desk. It's stuck on my desk. I don't know, once every six months or so, I wipe it off, make sure there's no dust on there. But it, it looks brand new.
2: And well, I, I, I still I've got him. the same thing, but I've also got uh, two pictures of Dan. And and it's funny because when I took the picture, I stepped out of the frame. Somebody took a picture of him, and I was actually standing about three feet away from him when the picture was taken. But I, Dan and, and I talked from the day that I first emailed him about bowling in a pro tournament because I was raw, didn't know what it You know, at 44 years old, I had to be talked into it. So the day he died, Dan and I talked every day, usually through texts and emails, but a lot of times on the phone. We formed a great bond. We were, in fact, he died in July. The following February, he uh, and I were supposed to go on vacation. Uh, My my wife and I were going to go on vacation with him and, um... It was, it was really hard on us here in the Central. Uh, you mentioned Randy Hart earlier, and I happened to see Randy yesterday, as a matter of fact. Go Your ahead. ears should have been burning. Your ears should have been burning yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, Randy used to room with Dan and stuff out on the road. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it really um, it really impacted us. And here we are uh, 18 years later, hard to believe, still talking about Dan Ottman.
1: You know, you mentioned that picture you might have even sent me this picture that I have of Dan. Uh, he's got like a brown sweater on. It's a side view. And he's got that smile on his face. He, he, I never saw him frown. That guy, he was a positive guy. And he is sure missed, my friend. Hey, oh, I don't want to start crying because I might because I'm pretty emotional. But let's change the topic just for a minute uh, as I'm looking at the clock on the wall. I'm sure you got a story or two that. Might be a little bit more lighthearted that we might give us a smile. Being on the road that long, you gotta have some good stories. So, you got one for our listeners, because not only do I love them, but so do our listeners.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I um, there there were a lot of of little funny things that happened over the years, and about two thirds of them I can't tell you on here because. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Um, uh there were there were some uh, crazy things. Uh, we talked about me uh, before we got on the call. We talked about uh, me finishing last, and I've only finished last officially in one tournament out of 220. Uh, my name went last on another tournament, almost last. Um, I I got hurt after four games, and I mean I was hurt. I my uh, something popped in my arm, and I remember going back. And they put my arm in, in a, a plastic sleeve and filled it with ice and all that. And I thought, I'm going to finish last. This is embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. And I walked through the curtain, and another bowler sat there, and he was about the color of grass. He was green. I mean, he didn't look good. And I said, what happened? He says, "He says I don't feel good. I withdrew about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and I quietly pumped my fist and said, thank you. I'm next to last. I'm not last yet. But little things like that happen out there, and, and uh, I told him about it. I saw him a, a couple of months later, and I said, you know, I, I didn't want to celebrate that you were sick, but I said, you got sick before I got hurt, so you your name ended up on the bottom of the list. So uh, <laughs> thing. and then Deont- I, I, million, I've told you D'Entremont Deont- 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 stories before many times, and there, there are a million of them, but um, uh, I remember that there was somebody, uh, and he'll be nameless, but it was a little guy in a small town who bowled his life off in a tournament and made the finals. And he threw a nothing shot, the whole thing. And he drew Mika Koivinimi in the first round. And he was taking pictures with him and Mika and all this stuff. It was hilarious. He was taking pictures of the scoreboard with his name next to Mika's. And he beat Mika in the first game. <laughs> and and it was, it was the, the best of, you know, three or whatever. Yes. And Deontremont and a couple other players threw their PBA cards on the table and said, if he wins the next two, we're leaving him. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mika, you know, it, it didn't take long for Mika to wake up because he, I think he, you know, this kid threw the ball basically straight. Yeah, Mika came back and reminded him that he was at the time the number one player in the world. And uh, uh, but yeah, John Schrman, there were about four four PBA cards laying on the table in the back, and they go, if if this kid beats him, we're leaving the cards and leaving. <laughs> So, but uh, yeah, there were just, there's a lot of stuff that went on uh, behind the scenes. A lot of it involved a a certain brand of alcohol named Bud, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You know, but but bowlers (laughs) never drank. No.
1: No, you know, I've been asked many times to write some of those kind of stories and I have promised many, many of my friends, even my family that, when I got about six months left, I hope the doctor tells me because I've got a book in my mind that's called The Final Final. And I'm gonna divulge a lot of things, not bad things, just funny things that
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can't well, tell I know. You.
1: That, I know I've you know,
2: we we mentioned Randy and, and I know you guys, you know, he worked with player services and maybe helped you with lanes and stuff back in the day. And of course he's one of the premier lanemen in the country still to this day, even though he's just running in, in, in a bowling center. But I remember he said that you guys used to write your name in the dust and back of some of these bowling centers Yeah, and go, and go back the next year and your name would still be in the dust.
1: Exactly. You know, we just told that story uh, last week or so. And that was down in new Orleans, Pelican lanes. I'll never forget it. And that was 40 years ago.
2: <laughs> well, so, you. Let's, you know what, Lenny, I'll tell you what, no matter what happens in the next few years, We have those memories, and those are just wonderful things to have, all the memories and all the fun. And even, you know, you kind of forget about all the bad garbage that went by, but all the fun, crazy stuff. I mean, I still remember going out to dinner and sitting at a table with seven other players, and there were 109 titles sitting at that table, and everyone had one but me.
1: (laughs) That's all right. That showed you were respected to be in the crew, you know. With, well,
2: when you, yeah, when they said, you we're going to dinner, you're going with us? I did the old thing like you used to see in the cartoons. I turned around and looked behind me. I didn't know they were talking to me. The said, hey, you know, come on, we're going. Let's go. I'm not going to go there at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So that's kind of what the life on the tour was like. But, you know, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So anyway, uh you got anything to say before we close the show? Uh, I want I want you to tell us how we can get a hold of you to buy your books or where we can look at a website or something
2: to see what you got. Well, I'll tell you what. It's long. Everybody get out their pencil and a long piece of paper. Uh, the website is ZManAlmostFamous at com. is how they can get a hold of me. And the website is ZManAlmostFamous.com. And uh, they can buy my books there. Um, The price of the books includes shipping and handling and everything else. Uh, I carry stock. I'm looking at my stock on the shelf right here right now. And they get on, they order a book. I literally put it in an envelope, hand address it, sign the books, and they are sent out immediately.
1: Well, they're very inexpensive. They're interesting to read. I guarantee that you'll enjoy them. They're great little gifts to send people that love to read. So I I wish you'd get a couple of these books and you'll get hooked. So what else you got to say to close
2: Bards? Well, all I've got to say is, is, is Lenny, every time we talk, it's a great enjoyment for me. I love talking to you. I um, love being on your show. I love the sport of bowling and I always have since I was three years old. And um, uh, i just tell you one thing. I love you, man. And, and you're, you're, You're the greatest thing that this sport's ever known. Oh,
1: I'll tell you, guys like you, man, uh, without guys like you, too, this sport never would have uh, gone the way it has. It's improved almost every year. Uh, You were a stalwart with the PBA, and you're missed out there. I know that for a fact. When you bowled this last tournament, you saw a lot of guys that you hadn't seen for a while. I bet they're all glad to see you. But Phantom fans, the old clock at all tells me we're out of time, and I'm going to have Gary on now and then over the years. Gary, before I say goodbye, I want you to repeat your address one more time.
0: All
2: right. That is ZManAlmostFamous.com is the, the place to go find my books.
1: I recommend go look them up, buy a couple of them. Gary, I appreciate you being on with us, and I can't wait for next week. We'll have another great guest to talk to. And I want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling. Brad Edelman from the High Roller and Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan, who just went into the coaches Hall of Fame in Michigan. So from Phantom Radio, this is the Phantom. When you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing oh nothing is going
0: right close your eyes and think of me
1: and soon i